Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you for coming along to Expo East today and for the very final seminar conference panel of the day, which is the future of marketing. Something very close to my heart. People don't know me in the room. My name is Dean Graham, and I'm actually the event director for today. And I founded CityX. So CityX is a new platform that is the rebrand and redirection of Lincolnshire Business. And those of you who don't know who, what Lincolnshire Business is, it's a four-year-old publication that provides business news, information, interviews, and business content to the greater Lincolnshire region. Um, so we've been going as a digital magazine and website for four years. We've recently gone through this rebrand to show a new direction. And actually, that compares with the direction that we're going with our events. So rather than just being Lincolnshire targeted, we're trying to branch out over this east region, which I personally think is often uh, misunderstood and overlooked by the business region. Not always part of the Northern powerhouse, not really part of the Midlands engine. We're our own thing on the right-hand side of the country. I think we should try and join together and really embrace what that means for business. Marketing, as I say, is uh, close to my heart. Chartered marketing manager and have been for a number of years. And I thought one really useful uh, panel to bring to you today was to look at where the future of marketing is going. And it's a particularly tense topic at the moment, as we've seen in the news, marketing agencies, these tech companies, and how data is used on the precipice of GDPR and everything that's coming in there. And actually, businesses trying to work out how now to legally, ethically, morally engage with new and existing customers. Um, and I think the panel we've got today is really going to help give you some insight as to where they think that's going. So without further ado, uh, I've got Peter Watson from Distract. He's going to do his five minutes on uh, the future of marketing from his perspective. Thank you. Uh, okay, working, everyone happy? Yeah, cool, good. Uh, Peter Watson, Managing Director of Distract. Uh, we're an advertising agency based in Lincolnshire. Uh, one of the fastest growing ad agencies in the East Midlands. We've got 13 staff currently. Uh, I kind of want to touch on, on many points, really. The first one for me is obviously, we're going to talk about the future of marketing. But I think some of the things that are working right now um, is also worth bringing up. From the future side of things, one of the biggest areas I see growth um, for, for many businesses is in the voice sector. If we look at Google and how they grew so well and how they really dominated in the paid search department, um, you need to start looking at voice. So at the moment, one out of every five search results on a mobile phone is done through voice, right? And if we start thinking about the platforms that are really winning in voice, we start looking at Amazon and Alexa. Google have also brought out their own voice uh, product as well, as well as all the different other ones as well. So I think marketing from a voice perspective is gonna do really well. We've actually launched our own podcast as well, so we're trying to get into people's journeys that they're driving to and from work. So I think if you're looking at an easy win, which is going to be really dominant in the next 10 years, I think the voice is going to be a real, real big part of that. I think the other thing as well, which is worth mentioning, is personal branding versus business branding. So right now, you can probably see there's a camera sat just there, which I'll wave at. Um, I think personal branding is going to be the biggest thing for businesses. I think everyone knows that that we all operate from a you know, people-to-people relationship rather than businesses-to-business. Business. And it's all about the individuals and the organizations. So for me and for our agency, we're focusing very, very much on the personal brands within our agency. Because if I can position ourselves as the market leaders in what we do, what we know, then people are more likely to buy from us. So like I said, we've got 13 staff or so in our, in our agency, and we've chose four or five of them to create real documentaries behind them, what they do, filming the talks they do, showing the sort of key market learnings they're into. Because I know then that if they build their brand and credibility, you're more likely to buy from them. 
So I think the two areas, and I have no idea how long I've waffled on for here, but the two areas for me is voice. Get involved with voice as much as you can. If that is making sure your business and e-commerce is more around voice, or if that's towards um, the search angle, um, but also from personal branding perspective and focusing more on the personal brand rather than the business brand. So Peter, what would you uh, advise for people how to get started in you know, getting their business in front of these voice searches? Where would you go for that? So I think the first thing is you have to try and make it kind of a core part of your business. So the, the easiest win right now is podcasting. So Anchor, I don't know if anyone's heard of Anchor.fm, um, they were essentially the Twitter of voice. Um, so you could say something on, on a phone and it would translate to voice in almost like a Twitter feed. They've just pivoted and raised a lot of money and now essentially they're the, the, the starting point for podcasting. You can now record a podcast on there, press one button and it instantly shares it to Spotify, iTunes and all the, the other ones. So for me, the first place to start would be podcasting and then do some easy wins. Like how easy is it for me to press record right now on a camera? I've now got however long I've been talking about, I can break that down to 10 different videos and I've got micro content which is gonna last me next three months. So just start being you know, really resourcefulness with, 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 your, with your work. Now when I first got into um, kind of SEO consultancy, what's well, almost felt like a lifetime ago, big question that always came out was I want to be one of those top three uh, results in Google. You know, I need to be right at the top, I need to be first page. Now, what we're realizing is that um, people aren't doing, you know, going into Google and typing uh, best accountancy in Lincoln and expecting to come up top. This, this move towards voice, as Peter said, one in five searches are already are through voice. Now it comes, well, how do I get to be the result that Alexa says back to that individual? So when that consumer says, um, you know, find me a garage for my MOT, it's only going to come back with one. It's not necessarily going to give you a list. And there's a whole new market that's going to come out as to how you're able to put yourself towards the front of there. Um, you know, Amazon, you turn around and say, I want to buy a tube of toothpaste. How does it decide which brand and which tube of toothpaste that it puts into your checkout for you to buy there and then? So a real strong new industry emerging. And it's actually coming back to what makes marketing relatively easy. It's just looking at consumer habits of how to make things easier as people get lazier and lazier. That is what Google provided, was that instant, I don't have to go to a directory, I don't have to ask my friends, I just want to know the answer. And now I don't even have to type it, I just have to ask. Thanks very much, Peter. Can I just jump in one extra bit there? Um, so I think if you also look at the high street right now and how retail's changed, so it used to be a convenience to kind of wander down the high street and buy whatever you want. Um, now the convenience is online. And it, as Dean just said there, the convenience now is to just turn to Alexa and say, buy some toothpaste. So if we start looking at user behaviors, you know, it's all about voice. Next up, Alex Wright from Napton Wright talking about the simplicity of brands and their message. Hello, hello, hello. So uh, I'm Alex Wright. I run a marketing business called Napton Wright. We're based up in Brig in uh, top end of Lincolnshire. You'd expect, uh, I recognize some faces here, so you'll know that I used to work at Facebook and you'd expect me to talk about social media, the importance of that. Um, you might start lynching me based on what's happened in the, uh, the press recently with, so with Facebook in particular. But actually, I spend a lot of time talking to clients about what has happened in the past. People always say you shouldn't look back, you shouldn't you know, dwell on things that happened in the past, but actually, Social media has only really developed because of human behavior. The way that people communicate with each other, the way that people interact, the way that people consume brands. Social media only worked because the people who built the platforms understood how people work. They've done that sort of 
incredibly intelligent piece of getting technology to fit within human life. So when I talk to our clients, when I talk to anybody really uh, who will listen or pretend to listen about marketing, advertising, I'm always talking about what are people doing when they're reading your messages? What are people doing when they're consuming your brand? And I'm talking about you know, sole traders right up to transnationals, multinationals. What are people doing when they're consuming your content? What are they doing when one of their friends is talking to them about what you do? The good experience that they've had with you, the bad experience. I cut my teeth in marketing uh, in the early 2000s. <clears throat> I was going to say the turn of the century, that sounds a bit weird. Um, it makes me feel a bit old sitting next to Pete sometimes. So uh, we, <clears throat> the company I worked for, <clears throat> excuse me, we were trying to get people to spend money online as opposed to on print advertising, which back then, not that long ago, 16 years ago, was pretty difficult. They were used to spending 10, 20, 30,000 pounds easily in a go on a print ad. Would they spend two or 3,000 pounds on online? No, they wouldn't, because back then we had no stats to back it up. All we were saying is, yeah, people are using the internet, but we had no stats. Now there's so much data that you control through, even as a small business, you need to be using that to understand how people are interacting with your brand. Whether it's how long people are spending with you in your, uh, on your, your web presence, whether it's people, how long people are spending on your social media, what they're doing with it, <clears throat> who they're sharing that with. But it still comes down to that human, human behavior. I'm a massive fan of sports. If I could be doing anything, uh, there'd be two things I could be doing other than marketing. It'd be sports or agriculture. Um, but I actually have to do my third choice. I learn a lot from sports, and particularly from people like Clive Woodward, and he talks about the world-class basics. Whatever you're doing in marketing, do the basics really, really, really well, and then start looking at the complicated stuff. If you get into the complicated stuff before you've got the basic stuff right, you're going to come absolutely unstuck. And if you're starting to get involved, you know, the, the voice stuff, absolutely essential, but if you're starting to do that before you've got your real message right, before you've understood what people are doing when they're looking at your content, you're going to get that bit wrong, more than likely. You might not, but it's more than likely that you will. So I'm not saying let's look back in time when we come to marketing. We've got to learn. Things have changed so quickly in the last 15 years that you've got to make sure that you're keeping up, but also that you're not forgetting what you've done to get yourself where you are now. Alex, would you say it often surprises you that a lot of businesses don't really know who their customer are in terms of data? Um, that they don't ever profile what their typical customer might be, so that they always struggle to work out how to advertise? Uh, yes and no. Until I started running a business, when I was an employee, uh, I, was, I could not believe how little time people spent on understanding their, their customers and the data that they had at their disposal. <clears throat> Now I run a business, I completely understand why they have no time to do that because you know, you've got so much other stuff that's coming through. But yeah, absolutely, people should be spending a lot more time, as I said, those basic things. Understand who your consumers are, or who your customers are, what they're doing, why they're doing it, when they're doing it, who they're doing it with. And you can make such simple strides forward in your marketing and in your advertising and in your brand messaging without having to spend absolute shitload of money on stuff that you don't need, spend small amounts of money on stuff that you really do need. And that is understanding what your people are doing. 
think one of the biggest changes that we've seen in marketing over the past five years is this movement from, okay, I'm going to advertise in a local paper. The local paper has 20,000 readers. Maybe 100 of those might be relevant to my business, but I'm having to put my money just to, to hopefully get to those 100. And then there was the advent of digital marketing where actually you could go, well, I don't really need to advertise in a local newspaper. I'll advertise in an industry press website. And maybe 30 or 40% of that might be relevant to me. And I'm happy to lose 60 or 70% as, you know, it's just wastage from my advertising. Now we're at the stage where if you know who your customer is and who your prospective customer might be, whether it's a specific age, a specific location, their interests, their marital status, what they have for breakfast that morning, where they've been on holiday. If you have that information to hand, you're talking more like a 70, 80, 90% in terms of targeting accurately. And that's where the industry is really struggling at the moment between the technology that's available, and it's been available for quite some time now with Facebook, and whether the general public are ready to have that level of information about them available to advertisers. So, you know, we're, we're in this tricky situation where people are happily to tell everybody and everything about what they're doing in their business and personal life online, and are only just starting to realize that that's, that's effectively black gold to marketers to be able to profile their customers, what they like, what they want, and to make sure that they're matching with that. So over the next five years, we're going to see within the next year how effectively Congress is probably leading the way as to what happens with Facebook. But this isn't a Facebook thing. This is a digital marketing thing. That information is available. As a business, if you're still not sure what your customer profile is, that's one of the key things that we'd recommend. I think Alex touched on it there. Start with the basics, and the basics are advertise to the right people, not the wrong people. Up next, we have Kelly Hunston from Social Change. Hello everyone, um, so yeah I'm Kelly from Social Change UK, um, we do what is regarded as the hardest form of marketing really, so a lot of the campaigns we work on are to uh, cut crime, increase exercise, we're sort of in the business um, of trying to get uh, kids to eat more fruit rather than selling more Kit Kats really, um, and I've been in marketing and research now for just over, well just under 20 years which is probably showing my age as well and I've definitely seen more change in marketing in the last three years than in the 30 years um, up to that and it's kind of tough out there even for marketeers to try and navigate this kind of this world at the moment so if you're a business owner trying to do marketing um, you know, sort of appreciate this is quite a hard area to work in um, but I kind of um, agree a lot with what Alex has been saying because actually regardless of all the different tools and techniques that are out there for you to use in order to market to your audiences, at the end of the day, whether you look back or even in this point of this talk which is about looking forwards, marketing is all about people and about understanding people. So you do need to get that right. So I absolutely agree with what Alex is saying. And once you start with people and start to understand them, then you can kind of design your marketing plans and strategies um, to meet those wants and needs of those people. But thinking about the future of marketing, um, for me, it's about um, delivering relevant, useful, and ex assistive experiences for people. And it's about purposeful marketing for me. And you kind of expect me to say that being in the business that I'm in. But actually, people don't buy products anymore. Um, they buy experiences and they buy emotions. And actually, one of the statistics that I find quite startling, actually, really, is that about 73% of people actually won't care if your business fails tomorrow. And the reason that they don't care is that you don't 
contribute a meaningful, relevant experience to them. They don't actually, they'll quite happily go to another business tomorrow. So for me, the future of marketing is about being purposeful. Uh, what do you stand for? What are you about? How can you add relevance into the life of uh, the everyday person? Because then they're going to stick with you. So really thinking about your brand values, what kind of experience and offer that you deliver. So for me, the future of marketing is very much around purposeful marketing. So starting with that is the best place to start when thinking about that. Kelly, do you think there's going to be some real opportunities for businesses to kind of be... I don't want to say anti-Facebook, but obviously there's a very negative mindset going around about marketing in general. And when that's happened previously, a lot of businesses, I say kind of eco-friendly was one of the big things that people went through. Showing that their business was eco-friendly was a real way of trying to engage with new customers. Do you think there's new opportunities now to be kind of positive and wholesome with your marketing approach? Yeah, I mean, up to the um, turn, well, up to the recession um, back in 2008, the biggest move in business was towards corporate social responsibility and being a social purpose business. So you started to see more corporates thinking about the supply chain being a sustainable business. Of course, the recession hit and lots of people were thinking about price and marketing change. And actually, those who invested and, and continue to invest in CSR and social business are the ones that have come out the other side much better. So I can see that renewed energy now to thinking about that business. And, and the, the stats kind of support that if you don't think about this now, then you're not going to be really around in 2025. So if we really think about the future, if you don't have that purposeful marketing at the core and the heart of your strategy, then really you're not going to be around because people won't care that you're here. And we're seeing on the high street now, you know, businesses going under now and, and, and people don't care, they'll move on to something else. So that's a way to differentiate yourself and, and something I definitely recommend. I think, it, again, it's a, a fantastic point, really, in terms of marketing. A lot of people go, oh, marketing, it's just advertising to try and get a return on your product. You know, I, I put £100 in, how much direct return on investment am I going to get? Well, the answer is that's not really how marketing works. Marketing is about trying to put forward a brand that people want to buy into on emotion, that it connects with them in some way or another. So really, you're going to have to get past this point of separating marketing and advertising and realising that marketing has short-term goals, but it's much more about that long-term relationship you can build with potential clients. And advertising is about straight to the bottom line, what can I do? And it's your marketing that then informs your advertising so you get that campaign right. Up next, we've got Joanne Wilson, founder of Fill the Gap Marketing. Thanks. Hello, it's Joanne Wilson from Fill the Gap Marketing and Fill the Gap Copywriting. The problem with going for is everyone's really much said many of the comments that I've already written on my sheet but I think it's brilliant that we all are sort of agreeing and there's a bit of a consensus but I'll still run through my points and then if we're sort of duplicating hopefully that will just endorse what we're saying really so yeah the first point that I wanted to make is that there's a bit of a dichotomy at the moment about what technology enables us to do as marketers and what society actually wants and in fact what the law allows so that's actually a trichotomy probably but that, yeah that's the whole point as as far as, I'm an enormous believer as a marketer that great marketing is about great targeting and great messaging. It's always been about that. And what current technology does is gives us many more channels and incredibly more precise targeting. So what the big businesses in particular need to do is walk this really careful tightrope about making us feel really special because they understand every single need that I've got and everything that I want 
and then freaking me out because I understand every single need and where I shot and everything else that I did. So I think that's one that they've got to be really careful with. And I do think that is a big business thing more than a small local business, but which is a lot of the people that I work with tend to be more smaller local businesses. But I think it's something that we can watch and learn from as, as small businesses and actually use in our own marketing to a smaller degree. Um, agreeing with something that Pete said as well, um, a colleague of mine was at a Tesco uh, talk recently and they agree that voice is the thing that big brands nearly re really need to start to understand and learn how they can actually implement that within their marketing mix. Um, and I did want to just touch one more time on local businesses because I think that's so relevant to people in the room today. Um, and again, agreeing with yourself there, Kelly, people buy from people, particularly in smaller local businesses. So I think, as has always been the case, be absolutely brilliant at what you do. Have a fantastic product and service, and especially service, as we've seen about the experience. And then make sure your brand reflects your brilliance and get people talking about you and how brilliant you are. And locally, now, as has always been, and I still believe in the future that locally that's going to be really important, but you can actually use the digital channels to amplify your message. For instance, all the sort of peer group reviews, star ratings, if you're being brilliant and you can get people to endorse you online, that does influence buyer behaviour. And my last point, if I've got time, I can't leave, the, leave this uh, stage without mentioning about GDPR. I've been massively researching this and looking into this. Um, and at the moment, for marketers, I think the biggest issue is on email marketing. Most of us can probably use what is classed as legitimate interest to do direct mail in the traditional sense, but email marketing comes under a different regulation called PECA or e-privacy, and not many people are aware. It's not massively been talked about, the fact that this is different to GDPR. It was due to come in on the 25th of May, but it's unlikely to. It's looking like now, they've said, probably nearer the end of the year. That says that you have to have hard opt-in consent at the moment. We don't know the reason for the delay. We can hope they soften it, but we don't know. However, uh, my question for the future is, will email marketing as a channel be stolen from us? The answer, I think, is yes. However, only if businesses follow the letter of the law and only if consumers complain if they don't. So, for instance, we know about Facebook and the problems with Cambridge Analytica. How many people have changed all their settings? How many people have closed their Facebook account because something went wrong? The answer is very, very few. So we'll have to watch that with interest and see how it develops. It's an interesting time. Thank you, Joe. Do you think there's um, some opportunities around GDPR for smaller local businesses who probably try to make that local connection and more honest connection than the bigger the corporates they were kind of paying for the mailing list? Do you think it perhaps evens the field a bit? It definitely does. Um, as a local business, yeah, we are less reliant on buying third-party data and mass emailing people. Um, overall, GDPR is designed to protect the individual. So to be fair, even for big businesses, the idea is it's making the communication more honest and more real, and it should be stripping out lots of the junk, so to speak. I think they've gone too heavy on it, and it's actually depriving us of commercial opportunities. But locally, yeah, it's pushing us into those real relationships. So yeah, let's take advantage of it. We've got to find some positive in it, because my to-do list to get GDPR <laughs> compliant is very long, <laughs> as I'm sure everyone's is. 
Thanks, Joe. And last but certainly not least, Henry Gill from SEO Traffic Lab. Thank you. So I'm a senior account manager at SEO Traffic Lab, and we're a full-service digital marketing agency based in Gainsborough. And my focus is very much on paid digital marketing, um, so advertising on platforms like Google, Bing, and Facebook. Uh, so for the next few minutes, this is really a celebration of advertising, uh, more so than more holistic marketing. Um, so I want to talk about some of the shifts I anticipate in paid digital marketing over the next few years and how you can prepare and respond to these with the aim of returning as much revenue as possible uh, from your advertising spend. So one of the first trends uh, which is very noticeable is the dominance of mobile over tablet and desktop um, in terms of people buy increasingly now buying on mobile. So people used to use mobile much more for browsing and searching, researching, uh, than the final purchase. Uh, but over the last 12 months, for the first time, uh, we've seen that um, mobile has overtaken desktop in terms of conversion value. There's far more uh, people now purchasing on uh, mobile. And over the next few years, we really think this is going to completely dominate um, in terms of where people are shopping. This may potentially be disrupted uh, in the coming years uh, through AR and VR. But certainly in the immediate future, in the next couple of years, I think mobile is really where you need to focus. So what can you do about this? Uh, in paid digital marketing, you can segment your device bids. So you can have specific campaigns where you're just bidding on mobile, desktop, and computer. So mobile, desktop, and tablet. Um, so you really need to pay attention of where you're spending your money and what return you're getting from it. So if you've never adjusted your bids, that's I really recommend uh, you look into that as soon as possible if you're using paid uh, digital marketing. And what's um, and currently the conversion rate is actually higher on um, computer, but with these changes and with the in in increasing conversion rates um, for mobile, there's a real opportunity there to make sure that you're maximising your um, advertising spend and really paying attention to where the conversions are happening. Related to this, um, in the next few years, I can anticipate there's going to be a complete intolerance of slow site speed. So currently, um, a four-second four load time will lose you 25% of your traffic. So speed is often also slower on mobile sites, and still not everyone has optimized uh, their mobile settings. So this is a, of huge importance, and I'd really recommend that you look into GT metrics, where you can get a very quick overview of what your mobile uh, site speed is, and you can um, then take steps to address it. Uh, one other uh, trend is there are now more clicks than ever before purchase. Buyers are increasingly savvy, they do a lot of research. And what you can do about this is you can assign value to all of the touch points. So this, you can change your attribution model, so you're assigning some value to every single touch point, every single click um, before the purchase, and that gives you a much more holistic uh, picture of what search terms, what keywords are important in the buyer's journey. And you can also use something called remarketing audiences where you're increasing your bids and making sure that if someone's already searched for your website and they've looked at it, um, you're, you can bid a higher amount so your ads are more likely to show. Um, the fourth thing um, trend which is really noticeable is there's an escalation of prices on established platforms. So increasingly now, um, the really established platforms, Google, Facebook, are becoming more expensive. And so what the real opportunity, the white space, is um, what the digital marketing guru Gary Vaynerchuk calls underpriced attention. So what you're looking for is where can you get the cheaper cost per clicks? Where can you uh, spend your money in a place where you'll get 
good conversions, good conversion rates. Um, so for instance, at the moment with Bing, um, the cost in advertising on Bing is much, much less than on Google. The search forms are lower, but if you've got a really small budget just starting out with, I'd really have a look at Bing um, and consider, consider using that platform. Because the cost per click there, um, just an example of one of our clients, they're spending 25 pounds per click on Google. There's far less competition on Bing, and they're only spending three pounds 50 uh, for a click for this really key search term. Um, so I'm very briefly going to talk about the benefits of diversifying um, and testing new platforms and technology. Uh, so as I've said, uh, you can get much cheaper clicks and cheap conversions by diversifying. And I'd really recommend um, splitting your, if you had a £100 budget, splitting it into two £50 budgets on two different platforms. And I can really guarantee that this will get you a better return on your advertising spend than one budget on one platform. Um, also by diversifying, you're really spreading the risk. So Facebook have just changed the way they collect data. I'm sure a lot of you will have seen over the last few days, uh, you'll have to opt in to advertising um, and opt into these cookies following you around, which I'm sure a lot of people aren't going to do. And so if you've diversified your risk, you're not solely relying on one platform um, where you could be slightly more vulnerable. Uh, and another example of that is with Instagram. Um, they obviously borrowed a really significant stories feature uh, from Snapchat, which really destroyed Snapchat's uh, share price and use. Um, and so there again, it's useful to, to spread the risk. And the very final thing I'd say, the benefit of diversification um, is that by diversifying, you can learn a certain skill on one platform, which you can then transfer to another. Um, so although you need to recognize all the nuances of each platform and make sure your content's native to a platform, if you've learned a video editing skill in um, for example, Snapchat, you can then apply that to Facebook video or Google or the next big platform that comes along. And the same with um, voice, as, as everyone's uh, touched on, voice is a really exciting area. And it doesn't really matter if you use um, voice advertising on what will become, I imagine, um, Amazon's uh, voice advertising or Alexa Home, um, sorry, Alexa Home or Google, sorry, Alexa or Google. Um, the same set of skills will apply, and once you've learned from one platform, you can really uh, transfer it to another. So, thank you. Henry, what do you think are the, um, the single most common mistake businesses are doing with PPC? Uh, there are a lot of mistakes. I think uh, one of the mistakes that we see, and one of the quickest wins uh, you can make, is uh, the thing I addressed first of all, which was um, people aren't segmenting their bidding on mobile um, and desktop and tablet. So every business is different. So uh, for instance, with uh, we work with a company who sells gaming uh, computers, and they have virtually no sales at all through mobile, um, as, as you might expect. All these people live their lives on computer. So, but uh, for the majority um, of customers, if you don't have a mobile adjusted bid, a computer adjusted bid, you're really throwing away a huge amount of money because the uh, cost per clicks uh, can be very different and you can with mobile, you can get a huge amount of search traffic, um, but at the same time, the conversion rates are usually lower than on desktop. So I'd say that's the, that's the biggest mistake we see. So, some opportunity now for some questions for the panel. Um, there is a, a roving mic going around. So if, if you have any questions and you'd like to give them to anybody specifically, then please do. And just put your hand up and the mic will come to you. Uh, any questions, ladies and gents? Russell? Henry, Henry, uh, Bing. Yes. Um, 
Bing's a lot cheaper because nobody uses it, I would have thought. So why would we recommend Bing as a platform if nobody's using it for as, a, as a search platform? That's an interesting question. So you say no one's using it, but actually... Well, can you put your hand up in the room if you're using Bing? <laughs> okay, it's not many, is it? Yeah, so as, as you say, the search volumes are significantly lower than on Google. So currently it's about a tenth of the search volume on Google, so you're absolutely correct. It's got a far lower search volume. And the massive advantage about that is that the competition is much less. So if you've got a £100 budget um, for your product or your service, you'll be paying probably, for instance, 30p a click on Bing. You might be paying £5 a click on Google. So it's a huge yeah, opportunity you're, you're, for close clicks. You're hitting clicks. 90% more people when you're using Google. That's absolutely correct. But, it, but the, the point is really is that if you've got a marketing budget, your clicks go a lot further. So if you've got a huge business, um, I would absolutely recommend using Bing and Google. But if you want to have um, cheap conversions and only be paying £10 a conversion as opposed to £100, I'd really recommend Bing. I wouldn't recommend using Bing alone unless your marketing budget is tiny. I'd recommend diversifying using all the platforms, um, certainly using Google. Uh, but I think if, you, you know, if, you, if you're spending a low budget on Bing, you could be probably quite surprised at the results. Thank you. I think perhaps just one thing to put on there, the, the, the biggest benefit with pay-per-click advertising is exactly that. You don't pay until someone clicks. I'd be quite happy to put a budget somewhere where there's only one person a month goes on there. If they never click, I never pay. If they do, they were probably interested in my advert. So a lot of this we've got to get away from. Well, what's my advertising budget for one area or another? And really, what's my, what am I prepared to pay to put myself in front of somebody? So 10% of... Global search traffic on Bing is still an awful lot of people, even in the UK. How many people look at the adverts, take a part, portion of it in, but don't actually want to buy the product? I'd say a lot of people. So for nothing, I put my brand in front of somebody, my marketing message in front of somebody, and it's cost me absolutely naff all. I could do that all day, every day, on every platform, and it's never cost me a penny. The second somebody's interested in what I've put forth, then I'm happy to pay. I've already pre-qualified the lead. The equivalent of that is being able to advertise in a local newspaper or in a local leaflet and not pay a single penny until somebody actually decides to go onto their computer and type in the web address on that leaflet. And that's really what you're getting. So who wouldn't want free advertising in the newspaper every single day of the week until somebody was interested enough to actually click? And I think that's where PPC gets a lot of bad press. People worry, oh, five pound per click. I don't want to pay five pound for someone to come onto my website. But the point is, if that's only going in front of people you've already pre-qualified as relevant target to you, and you know that for every click that you get, or every 10 clicks you get, one person actually buys a product, you've already done the mathematics for yourself. So I can really see the purpose behind using other platforms, but I certainly take your point, Russell. You know, If you're looking at mass volume, 90% rather than 10% is great, but why not have both? It's not going to cost you the same amount of money. Uh, any other questions, ladies and gents? No? Well, thank you very much, and thank you for coming along to the first Expo East. Thanks, guys.